Hey, you with the rhinestone dog collar. Between us dogs, I just convinced my human to upgrade to a new home with a 1,200 square foot bathroom. I think she called it a yard. With Wells Fargo's 3% down payment on a fixed rate loan, my human realized a new home was within reach. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash woof. Wells Fargo Home Mortgage. Down payments as low as 3% on a fixed rate loan require mortgage insurance. Ask a home mortgage consultant about loan requirements. Wells Fargo Home Mortgage is a division of Wells Fargo Bank N.A. Equal housing lender. NMLS RID 399801. From New York City, it's the Todd Berry Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the Todd Berry Podcast. I'm Todd Berry. With me, Danny LaBelle. Danny, what's up? How are you, Todd? Good, how you doing? Danny is the only comedian who begged me to be on the podcast. Yeah, I'm a big fan, and uh, I actually uh, <laughs> listen to the podcast, and I like it. So I'm going to take a chance with Danny. No, I know, I know Danny, so it's not taking a chance. I would never <laughs> take a chance. I don't take chances. What? You live in L.A. now? You, let's just go over your history, though, because some people might not know you. Okay. Um, I know you had, you had a show that I was on a couple of times. Right. Called the Comic. Is, now, some, I read when I was Googling you earlier, even though I know you a little bit. Is that considered the first comedy podcast? Um, I would say it's the first comedy podcast that specifically interviewed comedians. And it was called Comical Radio. Comical Radio. And it was recorded out of a co- what was it? Out of Baruch College. Baruch College. But was it a college show? It started out as my college radio show, and uh, right about when I started was we used to go to this college radio broadcaster uh, convention at the Pennsylvania Hotel, uh-huh. and uh, the year I went there, like, oh, there's this new thing starting up called podcasting, and. Uh, went back, I had a nerdy roommate And I'm like, do you think we can make this happen? And he's like, well, it takes a lot of coding But I think we could do this And So I started podcasting my college radio show And then it grew And then when I graduated college uh, I got permission to continue doing the show So I wound up using the studio for, for So you were podcasting before you had the radio show? It was at the same time. It was going on. So on the when I did station. it, it was podcasting also. Yeah. See, still, I don't think I even knew there. what a podcast was. Because well, I didn't even explain that. I used to try to explain it to people, and then I, I wouldn't bother anymore. Because so you was... owe me like a lot of money for all the the listens, right? Yeah. So that was. Uh, so what year was that? Uh, um, maybe around two thousand and four. So you had a podcast in two thousand four. I, I guess My so. God. Yeah, I have to look exactly. Yeah. I don't even. Yeah. W- wow. Now, is this stuff that Mark Marin already covered with you? Uh, no, we didn't talk about this. Really? Yeah, we maybe briefly. Talked. Tell me what you talk about with Mark Marin, and then the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, that way that'll kill the same amount of time, but it'll look like I'm trying to do something different. I like it. So you had, yeah, I remember that show. You guys, you had a little crew there. I had a crew. Now, can people can still listen to this comical radio? Yeah, it's up on iTunes. I, I, I removed all the early, early shows because they're too embarrassing. Really? Yeah, I, I just sounded like, you know, what, what I was, which was a kid fumbling through interviews. But Oh, wow. Then I should, I should delete this one then. <laughs> and all my podcasts. No, I'm a great, I'm a great podcast. You are a great podcast. So you had a whole crew, and you guys kind of busted little balls there. Um, I guess sometimes we did. It just really depended on what the mood was in the room that day. But. I mean, you weren't mean, mean, but you were, you were playful. I think we were. You had that playful, one dude yeah. who like sat in the back. Yeah, who was that guy. That guy, Dave Caston. What's he doing? Uh, I just caught up with him. Well, Dave Caston and I met at. Uh, here's something I did touch on in, in Mark Marin interview is that I went to yeshiva, and as a kid, and I got kicked out. And the only Jewish school that would take me mid-semester in high school was the school for, like, fucked-up Jews. Uh, Jews with drug problems or Jews with, like, uh, terrible behavioral problems. And uh, that's where I met Dave Kasten, who'd gotten kicked out of a Hasidic uh, yeshiva. So we were both, you know, yeshiva rejects. What do you get kicked out of? I mean, I imagine there's a lot of things you could do that would get you kicked out of a yeshiva. What I got kicked out for was... I went to a yeshiva that was a yeshiva high school that was in its first year, and it was trying to be like a very prestigious. They were like marketing themselves as the gateway to Harvard and Yale, and and I went in and I brought down the uh, the school average with my bad grades, and I was you know just generally a class clown. So they they said we got to get rid of this guy. He's gonna he's gonna ruin our attempts to be like a pre Ivy League. 
but nobody believed like when my parents told other yeshivas they're like well his grades are, they're not even terrible they're just not what they want them to be and uh, he's been disruptive and you know jokes around in class they were like ah, there's probably something more to this guy we don't want him so wow. so you went to a less religious Jewish yeah I went to this uh, half a hallway in Suffolk County an hour away on a short bus um, for basically just kid Jewish kids that came from religious homes that were troubled and got kicked out of yeshivas and but you weren't like a troubled you weren't troubled right you were just kind of I think I was the least troubled awful, one right? there, yeah. You weren't like a criminal. Yeah, I didn't belong there. So you made a few jokes, and they put you in with a bunch of yeah. like, petty thieves, petty Jewish thieves. <laughs> petty Jewish. I, I didn't even know you were Jewish. Wow. Yeah. I'm Jewish, man. Yeah. Um, but that, wow. So you, are your parents, your family, they're all Hasidics or They're not Hasidic, Orthodox? but they're Orthodox. And, uh, yeah, Kasten's family... Comes from he comes from like a Hasidic lineage, and he got kicked out for making fun of uh, the, the Rebbe. You know the Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe. What is that thing? <laughs> I shouldn't. I don't. I'm the least Jewish Jewish person. Like I've never even been to a seder. Really? Yeah. You should go to a seder just to. People say they're fun. They can be if they don't drag on forever. Yeah, that's that would be my big fear. You should there should be like some kind of a Yelp where you can get some Seder reviews and before you say <laughs> <laughs> there I'm sure there will be. Yeah. com. Oh that's a good idea. Yeah. Then you'd know which Who's one gonna to register go that first, you or me, man? You do it. Okay. Um so you Your family's Orthodox. <laughs> my family's Orthodox and uh Anyway, yeah, what I was going back to was my friend Dave. Uh, the Lubavitcher Rebbe is uh, Chabad. If you ever go to, you ever seen Chabad houses? That's a sect of Hasidic uh, Jewry, which is Lubavitch. And the Rebbe was like this big iconic figure that died, um, I would say, maybe almost 15 years ago. And uh, a lot of them believe he's the Messiah and that he's going to come back. They're the ones that they they ride around in camper like a Winnebago, right? right. There's a Lubavitch. Are they the ones who come up to you and go, "Are you Jewish?" Yeah, and then hand the, you a menorah, right? A, re, a free, cheap, bad menorah. <laughs> yes, flimsy. Yeah, yeah, that happens here in New York. Well, someone comes, "Are you Jewish?" And then yeah. they hand you this bad menorah. You got to be careful. Usually, you know, but it's a free one. Yeah, are you Jewish? And, and you got to either the person who's going to ask you that is super Jewish. Or super anti-Semitic. Right? I've never had the anti-Semitic, but uh, so, so the Lubavitch—they're sort of, aren't they? Sort of a fringe, or are they just a different sect of? They're they're a sect of Hasidic Jews, and they're like a a very big, ever-growing sect of Hasidic Jews, and they've got uh, Chabad is um, an outreach program, you know, which is you know why they come up to you on the street. So they've got Chabads all over the world, yeah, pretty much everywhere. So why did so he? What did he do now? Your your buddy Dave? Well, I think the thing that the final straw that got him kicked out was um, some kind of making some kind of a jerk off joke about the Rebbe and uh, and getting caught. But I, he was just generally pissing them off on a, on a regular basis. So he got kicked out and wound up in that other school with me. Wow, this is how people, uh, this is how bands get formed. Yeah, this is probably how Rush started. <laughs> So you guys were like, you have that in common. We both got thrown out of schools for... I, I think all the Beastie Boys went to Yeshiva together. That's a rumor I've heard anyway at MT, MTA, which is a Yeshiva, I believe, in Washington Heights. I think I think at least two of the three Beastie Boys went there. So are you, you're not still Orthodox, right? I'm not Orthodox. Are you conservative? Well, I was nothing. And then um, I started dating... This girl, and then she decided she wanted to convert to Judaism, and we've been living together for three years. And after a lot of fighting it, I went. I wound up coming around to it and supporting it. And so, so you didn't even ask her to convert to Judaism. I asked her not to convert to Judaism. Did Mark Marin cover all this? We talked about this. Okay, is this going to be a rerun then? Well, what should we should we should I keep asking him? People, call in. Should I keep <laughs> asking him about this stuff that Mark Marin already covered? But it's interesting to me. Yeah. But maybe people didn't hear that Mark Marin episode. Well, we got way more into depth about the school for fucked up Jews here. Yeah, here, yeah. I would say we talked. We never talked about some of the stuff. It's all. Why don't you only tell me stuff that 
Should I fill in all the gaps of, of Mark? Just give, yeah. I'll just make it a companion piece. <laughs> so people who look like, oh, this is like. Okay, all right. It's like when you watch The Killing and they go, if you want more info on The Killing, go to but, this other website. Well, here's a good story about me and Dave Caston that was not, hasn't been covered anywhere. Okay, this is just to fill you in, Dave Caston, former co-host of oh, Comical com- Radio. Yeah. Oh, okay, let's hear it. So, so Dave and I, after high school, we wanted to uh, start a business together. And the first business we came up with, I was living on the Upper East Side here in Manhattan, and uh, I discovered this kind of hypoallergenic hairless cat called the Cornish Rex. Okay, I like the story so far. Yeah. And Dave and I, uh, I said, Dave, this could be, I had this brilliant idea that if we bred these cats on the Upper East Side, I said, all these buildings don't allow dogs, but there's a lot of people that want pets, and maybe they're allergic to cats. That's like a common allergy. But if we could sell cats that people wouldn't be allergic to, with all these apartment buildings full of rich people, we could probably make a killing. Uh, so you discovered this cat, yeah, was, and you thought that people didn't already have this this angle to market them. Are well, they hyper? They're they're hypoallergenic. Okay. But I, I just figured if we were more aggressive in right. selling them and getting these yeah. cats out there, you know. Right. And it was two thousand dollars for the cat in a pet shop called Pets on Lex, which is still there on Lexington and I think eighty something, eighty or ninety. It's there. Google it. So we we went and we split it a thousand dollars each. We bought this the male uh, Cornish Rex, and <laughs> and we we were ready to buy the female too. And the guy said uh, at the pet shop, he goes, "Females haven't come in yet. Uh, give You're it a on week back or two. order." <laughs> exactly, their catalog. <laughs> they were supposed to come in Tuesday. The guy fucked me over. I don't know what happened. <laughs> okay, so they're going to come in in how long? So a week or two, he says, and, and they'll be here. So you just chill with a male hyperallergen, hypoallergenic cat for yeah. a couple of weeks. So I take him back to my apartment, and and uh, the first thing, I, I mean, the most important thing is just that this cat was a super uh, horny cat. It was a, it would just hump everything I had. Oh, man, you're every- like, I wish he had that female. Yeah. We'd be in business. All my pillows, I was constantly yeah. doing laundry, constantly doing laundry. It was, everything was sticky. So it, it would really, it would, yeah. oh, it would actually everything was covered in your cat pillows yeah, and, it was, and actually come? I didn't yeah. know that could happen. Yeah, it was disgusting. So uh, everything I had is covered in cat cum, <laughs> and I, I'm going nuts. And, and we go back, I'm like, all right, it's only two weeks, it's only two weeks. We get back to the pet shop, I'm like, all right, where's the female? The guy says, listen, the breeder that we get these from is in Hungary, and she just found out she has breast cancer. Uh-huh. So we're not pressuring her right now about the cats. We're going to let her deal with the breast cancer for a while, and I'm sure once she starts getting her life back up and running, we'll get the females. But in the meantime, you guys should probably look around other places. So, okay, fine. <laughs> So we start looking around for another because it couldn't it didn't have to just be a Cornish Rex but we wanted to make sure it was the same color Cornish Rex a female you know so that we had a a pure breed looking cat you know we didn't want any mutts but if you didn't even want so you even wanted to you want to do color matching we wanted to do color matching so you like it's like when you go into Home Depot with like right uh, these blue walls and there's a little chip in it right gotcha so wow, you guys. I think that might have been... I would have gone for a nice blend, but yeah. go ahead. But even... even uh, I, I don't even believe we found one that was off-color that was a female Cornish Rex that we could... We could have found any in the whole tri-state area, and I don't think we went as far as to look outside of the tri-state area because we were crazy and in our 20s and not thinking like great businessmen. But uh, the weeks are going by. No female Cornish Rex... I can't stand the cat cum. Uh, <laughs> There's an album title. <laughs> uh, please welcome uh, <laughs> from their latest hit album. Can't stand the cat cum. What would the band be? No, it's just you can do a comedy album. Oh, okay. yeah. You don't have to, you don't have to start taking up an instrument. Oh, just to, to I, I mean, just to use that title <laughs> I gave. I immediately went for music. So you couldn't go for the cat cum. 
So I keep saying, Dave, it's not fair. You know, this business, it has to be like a 50-50. You have to take the cat a little bit, too. You can't just leave Oh, it, it was totally at your house. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's refusing to take any responsibility. No, Dan, the cat has to stay with you. I go, that's not fair. You know, if, if we're business partners, we're business partners. We're not, you can't, you know, I'm the one who's doing all the suffering here. And then what, you're going to reap the benefits when we're making millions off these cats, you know? I didn't think we'd make millions, but anyway, um, a lot of this fighting goes on for quite some time, and finally, I, I put an ultimatum on the table. I said, if you don't take the cat, I'm getting him neutered. He's like, that would kill the whole business, Dan. I said, I know. I'm aware of that. I'm ready to do it. I will kill the whole business because it's not fair. This became like a big point of contention between us. And like I had to make a stand. Like I'm not yeah. getting walked all over here by him and the cat. So the amount of time passes that I, I think it said two weeks. And if you don't pick up this cat, I'm getting him neutered. Two weeks is done. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, I don't want to get him neutered. I don't want to lose the money. So I extended. I gave him like an extension. And I think like two extensions later, I'd finally been fed up and I was like, that's it. And I brought the cat in and I got him neutered. And that was the end of the business plan. But the cat was always mad at me for, I think, for getting him neutered. He was a terrible, he, like he hated me, the cat. He, he always would pee on my fresh laundry and, and he would never shit in the litter box. He'd go and scratch at the bathroom door until I'd let him in. He'd scratch and he'd shit in the bathtub. It was like a, a disgusting, unhygienic unhygienic hypoallergenic cat <laughs> it's like I'm not allergic to him but he's peeing everywhere yeah and shitting I think he hated me I think he knew that he was just part of a failed business and I, I started really getting attached to him but he wouldn't reciprocate at all you know I like animals a lot and I I was like you know what it's cool I got you know I, I, yeah I can imagine one of the pure breeds they're not the warmest ones are they no it's and the it, little sad mutts that are the nice ones yeah he had an attitude did you try to get your money back on him no, because it, would, it wouldn't be on what grounds. It would. Uh, I guess, yeah, you didn't tell the guy I'm starting a business. Well, I guess he knew because you kept asking for a female. Yeah, but I, I don't think they would say, hey, look, uh, you know. How were you going to market these cats? Were you going to, like. I had a whole plan. I was, oh, let's hear it. Yeah, I was going to uh, put up flyers on the bulletin <laughs> boards in all the big uh, apartment buildings on the Upper East Side. And I'd already spoken to a bunch of doormen. Uh, doormen. Really? Yeah, because you know when you ever go to, you go to these lobbies, it's always like I got a couch for sale. I got. I think I saw like an ad for French bulldog puppies, and I was like, Oh man, oh, you know what would sell better than that? Hairless cats. <laughs> Hairless pissing cats. And I was like, If you can get two thousand a cat at the pet shop, we could charge even fifteen hundred and undercut the pet shop, and it's all pure profit. These That's a kitten. Yeah. We're just we're just making fifteen hundred a kitten. This is a great way to avoid a real job, you know. But how many kittens? How many kittens can a cat have? About I think you can get about eight kittens in a litter. I might be mistaken, but I think that's like a regular thing. And that's you know. And then I figured once we really get it going, so that's twelve grand right there. Yeah. And then, you know, you keep one and you, you know you keep another and you try and, and you go buy another one and so you're not inbreeding and. I was thinking, you know, within a year from now, we could really be doing very well, and we wouldn't need day jobs, and we could just uh, sort of be cat breeders. I couldn't do that, because just when you said going up to doormen and starting, right. that, that would have been like, oh, I, I can't, I'm not going to go up to this guy. I go, hi, I know you're watching this $18 billion building, but I want to put this flyer up for this cat business and half. But you have no... You have no uh, I had no qualms with that. Yeah. I also was thinking, you know, if I could get these doormen to push the cats, I'd give them a commission. Like, I, I was thinking that could yeah, be... Yeah, you like, got to do, you have to give them a kickback. Yeah, give them a kickback. Like, you know, how hard would it be to, you know, they know everybody in the building. They know who's sad and maybe could use a pet. They go, hey, uh, you know, I know a guy who's got, like, top-notch hairless cats. <laughs> You've been saying it now. Ms. Johnson, I don't know if you're... Uh, yeah, you're interested. I met a guy today. Hairless cats. All right, I'll just help you with your your uh, groceries. I'll just get the door for you. I thought you might want a hairless cat as well. Wow, that's a great. Uh... It doesn't even end there. Oh, good. This is good. Uh, this is this is an epic tale. So <laughs> so the cats. Um, I moved to Brooklyn. This goes. I have the cat now for for about two years. And uh, we never really hit it off. 
I now moved to Brooklyn maybe more than two years. It was probably more than two years. It was maybe even four years that I had the cat. Now that I'm thinking about it, it was about four years. So he was your pet at this point. He was my he pet, He was now yeah. your moneymaker. Right, yeah. And it always pissed Dave off. He'd come over and be like, that's half my cat. I'm like, well, take him in, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I don't want him, you know. Anyway, we moved, I moved to Brooklyn, and uh, the apartment that I move into, do you know Maddie Goldberg? Yeah. So I move in with Maddie Goldberg, and the apartment has got like a roach infestation. So we get an exterminator, which is another funny story in itself, but we get an exterminator, uh, a team of guys to come in, and they said basically any pets that you have in the place, you know, get them out for about a week because of the poison, and it could hurt them. And I'm like, well, he's a very sensitive cat. He doesn't even have hair. I better, you know, not take any chances. So I asked my friend Genevieve. You might know her, too. I um, I said, would you watch, you know, would you watch the cat? And... She says, sure, and bring it up, up to her apartment. Uh, she's living in Midtown. And during this week, I get offered uh, a month of shows in the U.K., like three weeks from when they call me, and I accept. So I told, you know, Genevieve was there with the cat. She's like, oh, I love this cat. We're getting along so well. And I'm like, you are? She goes, yeah. I said, well, if you want to watch them a little longer... I'm going to go to the UK because otherwise i got to find someone to watch him again anyway. And she's like, sure, I'll watch him through that. Well, she gets very attached to him during the time that I'm gone. And uh, I keep trying to get the cat back. And she's like unresponsive or she'll be like, meet me at my apartment at 2 o'clock. And I'd get there and she wouldn't be there. And she, she kept ducking me, you know, to keep the cat. You have really terrible friends, it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> or a cute cat. Yeah, she 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 really hit it off with this cat, and then and and then I get another uh, another booking out of the country. So I'm like, shit, you know what do I do? You know I gotta get the cat back in between, and then so I said, look, you know you're obviously trying to hold on to this cat anyway. Just watch him for another month. So she says, yeah, I'll watch him for another month. Okay, fine. I go back out there, and uh, I come back, and now she's like. You know, not even taking my calls. She wants this cat. And, you know, the truth is, if I had the emotional maturity at the time, I would have known, let her keep the cat. You know, obviously, she's getting on with this cat. Me and the cat never clicked. Just, right. You didn't really get him to be a pet. Yeah. He, Although he you really, fell in love with him a little bit. Yeah, I, I like the companionship. Yeah. But, uh... I was, I was so stubborn, too. Like, I put a thousand bucks down on this cat, and I raised him for all that time. I'm getting my cat back. Also, it's just like a matter of not wanting to be walked all over, you know? Yeah, you don't want to say, hey, will you watch my cat? Oh, I didn't mean you get to keep my cat. Right. I wasn't giving you my cat. So, uh, it, I see her at a comedy club, and it really, like, it goes, you know, it blows, it, it, what's the word, boils, boils over or whatever? Um, not boils over. Now I'm going to be obsessed over it. Of course I know this word. It implodes. No, that's not the right word. Mm. It was bad. You had an yeah, argument. It got into a <laughs> bad argued. argument. And she's like, you're not getting the cat back. That cat loves me. You've left it with me for over two months now. That's an irresponsible pet owner. You shouldn't even have a pet. You're touring in Europe a lot now. There's no reason for you to have a cat. It's unfair to the cat. It needs a stable home. <laughs> So I'm like, this girl's crazy. She's not yeah. going to give me the cat back. Like, you know, yeah. because for a long time it was unspoken, but now it was actually spoken. She said, I'm not giving you back your cat. The cat never liked you, she said. He, he loves me. So here's a, here's another pointer about Genevieve. She's a sex addict. And she goes home with different guys almost every night. Maybe we shouldn't be using her real first name. Well, she's she's open about it. She's okay. been on podcasts and talked about okay, it. Okay, okay, okay. So, so I'm, I don't have a problem talking about it. But uh, especially then, she was... So I said, all right, you know what? I'm going to have to be crafty if I get this cat back, because I'm not losing this thing, you know? So we used to go to this uh, bar called The Parlor on 86th and Broadway. And they'd have a karaoke night, on a, I think, on a Sunday night. And she'd always go home with a guy around 1 a.m. from the parlor. It was a big hookup scene. I hooked up with a bunch of chicks at the parlor. Like, it was like a... <laughs> but, she, but she lived across the street from the parlor, so she'd always take a guy home around 1 a.m. 
So I think to myself, if I can make her think I'm okay with her stealing my cat, then I can plant somebody there at the parlor who could get up into her apartment <laughs> and steal my cat back for me. So that's what I did. I, at first, I was pitching people who I knew were her type. Um, they have to be like hairy Italian guys. That's what she always goes for. So I start going up to guys. I went to this one guy in a pizza shop in Brooklyn. And I'm like, hey, uh, I go, you single? And he, you know, he was obviously very homophobic and yeah. thought I was hitting on him. And he, he copped like a real attitude with me. I go, no, 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 it's not. Where did you meet this guy? At Carmine's Pizza in, in Brooklyn. <laughs> okay. But I knew he was like exactly the guy. That she would take home. This is unbelievable. You would do this, but go yeah, ahead. Yeah, I was I was really dedicated. I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna get this cat back. I'm, you know, what am I gonna do? I could either break in or I could plant somebody. There is small claims court, Judge Judy. I guess I, she would not be having this. <laughs> Judge Judy would have gotten the truth out of her, and she'd be have to get the cat back. I guess I went for the way that I thought would be more. But fun. But if you want to go up to a strange guy in a pizza place and go, "Are you single?" Yeah, that's another way to handle it. Right. So <laughs> yours is the funnier way to do it. So you go up to him. I, I, I said, uh, you said like, it gets all like homophobic. I don't remember what he said, but he, I go, no, 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 it's not, not, not me. Yeah. I have a friend. Uh, she's pretty. She'd go for you. Uh, I think, uh, I think, you know, you definitely score if you're looking to score. If you, you, you know, and the guy goes, all right, well, you know, give me your number or something. I go, well, it's not as simple as that. I said, I, I need something in return. I can get you laid. A hundred percent. I know what you'd say to her and everything, but I need you to go up to her apartment and afterwards, when she falls asleep, you gotta bring me the cat. You like, get the fuck away from me. <laughs> like I became this weird cat yeah. pimp, you know? Like, yeah, it is a little weird. To it be was honest. weird. Yeah, it would be weird to have someone come up to me. But I got somebody. Was it him? No, somebody else. I got somebody else that I met at a comedy club afterwards. And I'm like, you want to do this? The guy goes, yeah. So we head up from the comedy club to the parlor that night. And I get, I, I tell him exactly what to say. I'm like, that's the girl. Buy her this drink around 1 a.m. And uh, have complete confidence that you're going to get laid and you will get laid. And the guy goes, all right. And I said, I'll be waiting in the lobby a few hours later. We'll text back and forth. Just bring me down the cat. Dave is there with the getaway car because he's like invested to He's like, this is our cat, Dan. We can't let this happen. All of a sudden, he's back in on the cat. But he, was, he, he also really hated Genevieve, which was... So I was able with... Dave did. Dave hated Genevieve. So in order to motivate Dave to be the getaway driver... I was able to say, look, this Genevieve, she can't be stealing people's cats. We, right. You know, we got to stick up for this. You had him channel his hatred into being the getaway. Yeah. Okay. I had to find motivation. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm texting the guy. He goes up with her. I'm texting him. I'm in the lobby. Where's the cat? And uh, no response. And I'm waiting for like an hour, two hours, three hours. Dave's like, the guy's not coming. He's not even texting you back. We got to go. And after a lot of resistance, I gave up and we left. And the next day, I'm, I'm calling the guy and he goes, Hey, listen, man, I don't want to be part of your weird cat stealing scheme. I don't even know if it's really your cat. She's a really nice girl. I think I'm going to see her again. Oh, man. I go, you're not supposed to fall for her. She doesn't have a heart. She's just... And he's going to tip the next guy that... <laughs> That you send up there. She's, he's going to tell her about the plan, man. Yeah. Did he tell her about the plan? Um, he did tell her about the plan. He's like, yeah, this, this weird guy is trying to get me to... He didn't say he didn't say that I got him laid. He just said, oh, there was a weird guy at the bar who was trying to get me to steal your cat. So she calls me up and she goes, oh, so you tried to plant that guy. So she never even saw him again. Right. Uh, she didn't even care about him he didn't like her for him. She, she, he didn't like her for her. He liked her because... He fell in love with her in one night. Oh, he did? Yeah. Okay. He was like, no, I think I have a future sure with you didn't offer girl. him money or anything. You just offered him. I just said, look, I'll get you late. Bring me back my cat. <laughs> so yeah, the guy's telling me, like, no, I think, I think we really have something. I go, gee, you don't have anything. She's a sex addict. She doesn't care about you. You're, you're, what, are you gonna, what do you have? You have nothing. Yeah. I, said, I, t I told you the whole thing. from. I've been right about everything so far. I got you late. Why don't you believe me? He goes, look, man, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want any part of this. I rethought it over. I'm, I'm not going to be part of any kind of cat thief, uh, cat theft. He's like, just work it out with her, you know, figure it out, man. There's other ways of dealing with this. Uh, he's like, I said, you know, 
forget it. And I get so upset, and I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm talking to Dave about it. I go, you know what? That's when it hit me. I said, I just got to let go. I got to just, I don't even really want the cat back. That's when it really hit me, and I was like, you know, I'm kind of happier living without the cat. I was like, I guess I should just let her keep the cat. But I still, I didn't talk to her for months, and then... I There's knew, something about someone. that She did steal your cat. She, she the cat She piece. stole your cat. Yeah. And then um, she posted pictures of the cat dressed in a Santa suit for a Christmas party. And set, put him up on Facebook. And you wanted to raise the cat Jewish, and that's really upsetting. <laughs> it was very upsetting. But they were sitting next to each other in matching Santa suits. And it's still up on her Facebook page, this picture of her and the cat dressed as Santa. Let me pretend I won't be finding that later. Yeah. And uh, I was like, you know what? Let her keep the cat. These two have a thing. You know, I, I called her up. I said, look. This is not a scam. I'm not trying to get the cat back anymore. You can have the cat. Just, you know, be a good pet owner, etc. And then she goes, all right, well, I trust you. You could come up to the Christmas party. And I went up there and saw the cat, and he did seem much happier. Oh, he did? Yeah. And he looked at me like, you know, fuck you, man. <laughs> I was like, all right. You think that's what he was thinking? Yeah, he gave me a look, and then he went right to her and sat down. That plan is amazing. See, I would think, like, if you're creative enough to come up with that plan Mm -hmm. to find the guy, you could have gotten that cat back. I think You had it in you to get that cat back. I think looking back at it. You got a guy laid. Right. Just going, I know someone who will have sex with you. I think I was more interested in coming up with a crazy plan than actually then getting if, the cat back. So it wasn't motivated by your love for the cat. At the time, I thought it was, but with perspective, I was able to understand that I didn't really want the cat back. I think I just wanted some kind of justice. You know, I wanted to show that you can't just pull something over on me. I could pull something over on you, too. What if she ends up finding a female one and then starts that business? Well, it's already been neutered. It's, it's oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. And and uh, so she had the cat for a few years, and um, the cat, one day she called me up and she was crying, and she said um, she, the cat had a, a blockage in its heart, and its legs gave out, and the surgery was $5,000, and the vet said that it probably wouldn't survive the, the surgery anyway, and do we want to take the risk? She called me up. She's like, do we want to take this risk? Now I'm back into it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now as soon as there's like a fight, now it's our cat, right? It's our cat. That That's we, yeah. You should. I said, well, and and then I was like, I was so sad for the cat, but I'm like, I can't. That's I, that's not a good risk, and I'm not gonna. I'm not paying two and a half thousand dollars for her to possibly keep. It. And I, and then I was thinking, even I don't think it's gonna survive that surgery. But they said it's probably not gonna survive the surgery. But I was going back and forth for a while, and I was like, maybe I'd lend her the money, and then she could pay me it back, because we're on good terms at this point, so years later. Did you have any emails where it was like, can you watch my cat? Probably not. No, those would have been your contracts. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think there was any emails. Is the cat still alive now? No, so we we opted to put the cat down Ah. after a day of debating whether or not we... It was very sad. That is sad. We got together, we cried. Yeah, we really did. The cat was a... No, no, I would cry too. Now you're making all my listeners cry. (laughs) Because that was a funny story up till that point. Yeah, that's how how it ended anyway. It ended sad. But, um, yeah, you know, we still... She and I still joke around about that guy who I sent up to her apartment. She's like, oh, that guy was such a loser. (laughs) She remembers him completely. So. Wow. Now I don't even want to talk about comedy after. That was a fantastic story. Well, thank you. No, that was good. I think there was like 25 minutes. Really? Was it that I long? don't know. It was long. But it was good. I'm always looking for stuff like that because I'm not good at talking. <laughs> All right, let's talk a little about comedy. God, it's, God, it's not going to be able to follow that, though. You live in L.A. now? I live in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Everyone's shutting their... Shutting their iPods off. I live in LA. Um, I don't hate it. Why did you move there? My girlfriend really. This is a whole other story, but bring it on, and we'll 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 bring this home with the story. So I'm living in Brooklyn, same place that used to have the roaches. Uh huh. And the uh, cat. And the cat. And uh, I'm living across from Ecuadorian gangsters. All like, right. I'm into the story so far. And uh, we became close. I mean, 
Here's, here's something I won't get into this whole story, but it's up on This American Life. I told the story of how me and Blanco, who was like the head of this Ecuadorian gang, wound up uh, another, another harebrained animal scheme. But we, we wanted to uh, start a Brooklyn egg company with chickens. Uh, we put chickens in the backyard. We were going to sell eggs to hipsters. I have all these terrible ideas that involve oh, I animals, could, I guess. I could see the hipster egg thing. Yeah. If you well, paint them crazy colors, maybe. Well, we were just going to say they're free-range, organic, and they're made right here in Brooklyn. And we had this big backyard, and we were going to start off, uh, you know, with one and see how they sold just to the neighbors and then, you know, add more and more chickens. And it didn't work out, and there's a whole long story to that, and that's up on This American Life. But basically, the guy, we we became friends, but he was also very unstable and... uh, you know, anytime he'd get he'd get messed up on drugs, like it could be really scary. He was your roommate. He was he lived across okay, the hall. Okay, yeah. So when he was sober, we were great. But when he when he'd come home and he wasn't sober, which could often be for stretches, you know, he, him and his girlfriend were on and off, and every time they were off, he'd get drunk and high and come back violent and be punching holes in the hallway uh, on the walls in the hallway and. Uh, two two occasions, uh, he came and put a knife to me, and uh, I knew how to talk him down. And I was friends with him, and you know, in his sober state. And uh, but my girlfriend, it was too much for her, and she was like, uh, she she's an introvert, she's a writer, she's a quiet person. So just New York in general is is a, is a tough thing for her. But also living across from an Ecuadorian gang was just too much for her. And yeah, maybe just a different building. Yeah, but I had rent control in Williamsburg, oh, in Bushwick. I guess they call it East Williamsburg now. But uh, it, it was a sweet apartment. It was really nice, and it was rent controlled. And uh, and there was also some kind of a thing about surviving it, I think, in my head, that I was like, I can hang in here. I'm going <laughs> to I can make this work. And she was always like... I, for years, I was saying, you know, I'm going to try L.A. at some point, and finally it came down to the point where she's like, I can't live here anymore. Either we're trying L.A., or I, I can't live and with And you're still anymore. with her? I'm still with what her. What does she do? She's a, What kind of writer? She's a writer. Uh, she writes... Well, she's mostly for money. She's a journalist, but she writes a lot of short stories and essays, personal essays. She's a great writer. Um, but, you know, we're opposites. She, you know, I'm very extroverted, and she's very introverted, so... Um, yeah, but when you lived in New York, I didn't really see you at the clubs a lot. Why is that? Is that because I'm famous? No, I'm yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, you a... seem to work outside the uh, the system a little bit. Am I wrong? I guess. So. I mean, I would I mean, see you at stand up New York. Stand up New York, I was always at. Uh, but I was I was in the Village a lot. I was mostly at the Village Lantern and. Sal's and the Comedy Village, the Boston, before that. and I found a clip of you, you in South Africa. You were doing shows. Yeah. And you were killing, too. Yeah. I did a month in South Africa. It was, it was like, like the best thing. Killing. It, was, it was upsetting that you were doing well. No, it's fine. <laughs> I've never played South Africa. I guess I can't, shouldn't ask it whether it's good or not because you were killing. So, of course, you're going to say it was... Here's a great story. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, the landlord's office were... I was renting from. In South Africa? No, in, in Bushwick. Okay. There was a woman there who early, and I was there for about seven and a half years, I think, in that building. I'd have to really look at the dates, but I think that's about how long. It's either six or seven and a half years I was in that building. And this woman, I guess early on, told me, oh, we're not accepting checks. We've had too many checks bounce on us from tenants. It's You, you have to pay your rent in cash. And it never, I never raised an eyebrow about that. That's not a red flag. Yeah. Oh, and no paper trail of the money I'm giving you? Okay. All these years, I'd been paying her in cash, and she'd give me, like, a receipt. Oh, she gave you a receipt? Okay. But uh, I was also, uh, I used to drink. I don't really drink now, but I used to drink more back then. And I wasn't a crazy drunk or anything, but I, was, I wasn't organized. I was, uh, you know, I was just a, a, a wild kid in his 20s, you know, and... I wasn't keeping f- these receipts filed anywhere. They, you know, I'd crumple them up and they'd wind up somewhere in the mess of papers in my apartment. To, I can tell you now, Todd, I'm very happy that I'm very organized now. That's good. Yeah. And you I'm, were on time when you came over here. Yeah. I'm very on the ball these days. But 
What were you going to ask? No, what was the rest? So, Oh, so for years I'm paying her in cash, and I think nothing of it. And I, I, I was behind about a month and a half's rent from being short different months, like $200 short here, there, you know. And the landlady, she was like, when you can. She was actually a pretty sweet Indian woman, and she was like, you know, Daniel, don't worry, I trust you. Whenever you can get it to me, you know, you've been a long-time tenant. That is a perfect Indian accent. <laughs> Thank you. So, uh... One day, I'm, I'm leaving for South Africa. My girlfriend has just moved in with me. Um, I have now got a, a puppy uh, that was born, the Blanco gang, across the way. We're breeding pit bulls, uh, and I bought one of the puppies off them. And uh, I bet if they wanted it back, you would give that up. You wouldn't do what Genevieve did to you. One of the times he came at me with a knife was to get his dog back because he was insulted that we got a second, we got a, we got a Boston Terrier. We have two dogs. Uh-huh. And when we got the Boston Terrier, he was all messed up. And he was like, he came home, he'd been dumped by his girlfriend again, and he was on something. I don't want to say what, but he was on something. And uh, he comes in, and he's like, you're going to give all the love to the puppy now. You're not going to give any of the love to Juno. And uh, Juno's the dog that I got from him. And he's like, give her back to me. You don't deserve to have her anymore. I'm like, get the hell out of here. And he comes at me with a knife. That was one of the two times that he held a knife to me. And I was like, take her. And then I knew as soon as he was sober, I'd get her back. And that's exactly how it happened. But, you know, he came back the next morning. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I took your dog. Here she is. I apologize. You know how I get. I'm like, don't you ever do that. You know how I get. Again. I pull knives on you. You know how I get. Yeah. <laughs> so you pay this woman cash. So I've been paying her cash for years. And... I get an eviction notice the day before I'm supposed to leave for South Africa. It says, apparently, you know, they're supposed to give you notices up to this point. Right. But I never got any. And this says, basically, you have three days to get everything out of your apartment before the court martial comes and takes it. You owe the landlady $10,000. Like, $10,000? I maybe owe her $1,200. I don't owe her $10,000. So I'm like, what the hell is this? It's got to be a mistake. So I call up and she goes, yes, we've been going through, you know, the files. I did not realize so many months you don't pay your rent. Daniel, I trust you. What is this? You, we, uh, we got a new bookkeeper and you owe us $10,000. You cannot stay there. So I go, I, I, my girlfriend's just moved in. I have this dog, all my stuff. I'm leaving for South Africa for a month. What's going to happen? What's going to happen to all my stuff? What's going to happen? I'm going to lose the girl. I'm gonna, what's going to happen to my dog? All these things are like... Like my world's about to completely collapse. I go into housing court right away. And I say, this is impossible. I can't possibly owe $10,000. The woman must have been stealing from me. Yeah. And uh, I said, you know... I, you saved I, the receipts, I assume? Well, that's the thing. I was so disorganized. I, oh. I found a few receipts. I couldn't find the right... I didn't know which months... You were missing $10,000 worth of receipts. Right. And I'm like, I didn't know which months like were the... And, and I knew if I had time to go through everything, I might be able to find some stuff. But I'm leaving the next day mm. for South Africa. So they said, basically, uh, I get the court to postpone the thing... They're lawyers there. We make a deal. If I can come up with 4000 out of the $10,000 then and give it to them, then with the other $6,000, we can figure out a payment plan when I get back from South Africa. And, uh, and at least for the meantime, the eviction can be postponed, if not canceled. So I take that deal, but I don't have $4,000. I have maybe like $900. So I start calling up all my friends. Hey, I, I'm going to South Africa. I'm making like four thousand dollars. So glad exactly, you didn't call me with this. Yeah, I was making exactly four thousand dollars for the trip to South Africa. So I knew I could pay everybody back as long as I, you know, lived very frugally in South Africa. I had accommodations. I had a lot of meals. And what do I need the money for there? I just, you know, just go do the shows, hold on to the money, come back, pay everybody back, and then deal with the situation. So I was able to raise. With all my friends combined and my $900, I got up to $2,000. And now it's already like almost midnight. I'm leaving the next evening to South Africa. I have to get 4000 to the landlord by the morning. I don't know what to do. I called Jackie Mason. He goes, he goes, I don't know. I've been friends with him for years. I never asked him for a penny. 
I never, you know, I didn't want to take advantage yeah. of the friendship. I said, look, this is a real situation. I'd done a million favors for him as his friend, and uh, I've never called him back. I said, look, he goes, how do, how do I know? I never lent you money before. How do I know that I'm going to get the money back? You know, uh, I, I know you're a nice guy. We've been friends for a long time, but it's a lot of money to ask $2,000. I don't know if I could trust you. I'm like, well, you mean you, you've known me for years? You know you could trust me. I've done. I can't even get into the things I've done for him, but I've done a lot of really personal and good favors for him. Oh man! And uh, that'll and, be episode two of this. <laughs> he goes, I don't know. I have to ask my manager, Jill. I, I, I'm not in the business of lending money to people. You know, people take advantage of celebrities all the time. If you if you try to get money from, the, the, I said, well, you know, I'm an honest guy. I'm telling you, I'm making the money in South Africa. You'll have it back in a month. He calls me back. I'm sorry to tell you, I can't help you. I, I feel sad for your situation. And I called a friend of his that we used to hang out with a mutual friend. And he says, I'll, I'll Western Union you $200. And it's like midnight. So I go to Western Union in this neighborhood, down the block from where we are right now. Don't reveal where we are. Okay. But now you know it's near Western Union, so it's a great neighborhood. Yeah. And I get there, and, and there's $2,000 waiting and not 200 And I call him up. I go, was there a mistake? And he goes... No mistake. He's like, one day when you're doing well, you pass it on to somebody else. Do the same thing for someone else. And it wasn't Jackie Mason. It was his friend who was uh, just a a mutual friend through him, a guy who deals in herbal medicines. And uh, he was like somebody I wasn't even going to call. And I just called him at the last second out of panic because I'd run out of names. And he sent me the full two thousand dollars that I needed. And the next morning, I showed up with four thousand dollars cash at the landlord's office. They were shocked that I actually came through because they were ripping you off. Yeah, but I mean, they didn't know. There was the one. The reveal of the whole story is that it turns out this one lady, and these pieces had not been put together yet. But this one lady had been pocketing, skimping, you know, little bits skimming, of ca- yeah. skimming bits of cash over a six-year period. The Indian woman. No, not the Indian oh, woman. Point. She worked for the Indian woman. But I'm not even the one who caught her. During the time that I was in South Africa, this all blew up. And it turned out I wasn't the only one she was stealing from. There were many, many clients, oh. you know, many residents. And it, it turned out that she'd been stealing from a lot of us. And she, you know, the shit hit the fan because she was the bookkeeper. And when they got this new bookkeeper, they're like, oh, all these people owe the landlady money. And then they find, oh, wait a minute. It's weird that all of them owe, yeah. Yeah, this, this, uh, this woman who's been doing the books. So she's like in big, big trouble with the landlady. I get back. My girlfriend and I uh, go through all my papers. Not only do we find all the receipts, but we find out that they actually owe me money from what, what I thought I owed them. I didn't even owe them as much as I thought. So the $4,000 is overturned. They don't give it back. They just credit it to me for months ahead. Uh-huh. And more more money. I think another like $300. So you could pay is, your buddy back. Is credited back. Yeah. I pay back everybody from the 4000 in South Africa. I pay back 2000 to the multiple people that lent me 2000 I take the other 2000 to this guy. He wouldn't take it. I tried to force it to him. He, he would not take it. He's like... No, no, I don't need it. He says you. He says you're gonna need it. Obviously, you know. He said you just did a month in South Africa. I want you to have some money from that. To he wouldn't take a penny. He's like, when you make it and you're rich, he said, uh, you do this for for someone else, a young artist. Find somebody who needs help. I need this guy's number. Yeah, I tried to force him to take that money back. Did you try to offer? Too bad you didn't have the two thousand dollar cat. That would have been. Yeah. Did you make that connection? I, I sure did. <laughs> But I, I was, it was like, it was the craziest thing. I had one day to do all this, and I did it. It, was, it all, like the universe, it all lined up, and I, I got the four thousand. I went to South Africa with no money. I had no money when I got on the flight to South Africa. I had twenty five dollars total, including amounts on credit cards, everything. I was. It what was, did you? How were you going to handle? It was nerve wracking. How did you get by? Well, when I got there, there was a car waiting for me at the airport. They took me to the hotel. They picked me up every day at the hotel, take me to the venue. There was meals. Uh, uh, they gave me meals. And um, that's about it. I mean, I, I got a little money. stipend money that I was able to use. Africa is very cheap. I, I, I lived like an African in Africa the whole month. I did. The only time I actually did anything that was like 
touristy was um, my parents have a friend who lives in Johannesburg, and we went. He and his treat, he took me for like a week to the national park uh, to do like. You got all these generous friends, man. Yeah, it really worked out. I guess I do too. I mean, Louis C.K. bought me this apartment. (laughs) That no, he didn't. Let's talk quickly because time flew by. You have a new album out. Let's talk about that, and then uh, we'll say goodbye to each other. All right. Forever. Forever. What's your What's your new album? The album is called Some Kind of Comedian. It's out on iTunes, Amazon, Stand Up Records, StandUpRecords.com. I recorded it two years ago in Scotland, but it just came out now. So it's still uh, fresh material. No, it's, I don't do any of it anymore. But it's, but I mean, it's fresh. It's not dated. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's evergreen. It's evergreen. Um, Buy it. Please buy it. What else do you want to plug? I have a Twitter. It's at Danny Danny Lobel. Danny Lobel. D-A-N-N-Y-L-O-B-E-L-L. Yeah, that's on Twitter. And DannyLobel.com. DannyLobel.com. That's it, huh? That's all the stuff I plug. You got some tour dates? Um, I'm at the... uh, Does this go up today? (laughs) No, it doesn't go up today. (laughs) Thank you, though. there's a lot of people in line. Yeah, I, I w- I'm going to update the website. I have a lot of dates coming up. Um, just, just go, go to, to his website. Yeah, just go to DanielLaBelle.com. All right, man. Thanks for coming here. Thanks for having me. All right, man. All right, everyone, that's the show. I'm recording this part of the podcast from my hotel room in Montreal, talking right into the computer, no microphone. Probably shouldn't have told you that, because now you're going to be listening for inferior quality. But it sounds good. Trust me. I'm doing another crowd work tour where I do nothing but crowd work. I'm going to San Diego, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, and Vancouver in September. Go to toddbarry.com for tickets. They will all sell out. They will all sell out. And my Twitter is at toddbarry. And go to feralaudio.com. They put on this podcast among many others feral audio thanks talk to you next week This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs. Introducing the new spicy Cajun chicken sub, Cajun seasoned grilled chicken breast, zesty cherry peppers, and house-made Cajun mayo. Just $5.55 for a medium. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs would donate a minimum of $1 million in 2019 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.11% of every purchase.